didgeridoo means it's time for the Australian News Desk. Here's two of the craziest guys we could find south of the equator. It's Steve Vischer and Grant McHaren from the Plain Crazy Down Under podcast. All right, let's see if we can uh, bring in the boys down under and uh, have a little live OzDesk report. Let's see if we can get uh, get a hold of Steve on Skype. Hi, how, how are you? Good, good. Steve, are you are you there by yourself, or is Grant with you? No, I have Grant. He's sitting across with me with this big cheesy grin on his face. Oh, hello, Grant. Nice to talk to you guys live. You're live on the airplane geek system. Are you going to give us a uh, an Oz desk report? Oh, indeed. We can go right into it if you like. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to know what happened to the chocolate cake recipe, Steve. Well, you know, you know, Rob. I could tell you, but then I'd have to come over there and kill you. It's top secret. This this is some kind of a competition you were involved in. Oh yeah, it's a um, there, <laughs> it's the Royal Melbourne Show, which is a I don't know, it's like the state fair equivalent, I suppose. You, you might say so. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's uh, pretty funny. Sure, pretty. Sure. My wife has taught me to cook, guys, because uh, a couple of years ago I wouldn't have been able to boil water, but uh, there you go. Dun dun dun. Well, what's going on down in uh, in the uh, Australia Pacific region, aviation wise, these days? Well, it's, uh, I tell you what, uh, this time of the year is, is good for flying. In fact, um, I don't know, Grant, have you been doing any balloon flying? I've been doing some light aircraft uh, flying. Well, uh, I did some yesterday. Wonderful. Uh, as Steve can probably tell from the look on my face when he asked that, uh, no, not since July. I have been stuck flying a desk, getting everything done for CASA and uh, sorting out um, a whole lot of maintenance issues. Well, there you go. Well, uh, Max, will we just get into the uh, news stories that we've come up with this week? Sure. Go ahead, Steve. Okay, well, uh, what what are we up to? The Australia Desk for episode three hundred and seventeen. You know, Grant, we've been away for a while. Um, you know, mm. we're a little bit transient these days, aren't we? Well, you know, day job gets in the way for me, and you've been busy cooking up storms and uh, winning competitions and all that, and you know, get there. Well, yeah, these things happen. Well, I'll tell you what, um, we've got some, uh, you know, some pretty pedestrian day jobs, you might say, but uh, some people who don't are uh, fighter pilots in the Royal Australian Air Force. Grant, they're going into action. Um, our Super Hornets, for the first time, they're heading across to uh, do some active service. This should be uh, interesting times for the uh, for the Air Force. Indeedly do. Uh, they only just got IOC uh, last year, and here they are being uh, deployed into an active combat area. So uh, full on for the guys. I mean, I know it's not a war. It is just, um, you know, the interdiction against the uh, ISIS-ISIL kind of guys. But, uh, excuse me, but they, uh, they're, they're doing... Um, Doing something pretty amazing. They're uh, dragging a bunch of them over with our brand new uh, KC-30 MRTT tankers. And uh, they're also taking over one of the wedge tails. So this is a pretty impressive deployment for Australia. Yeah, the wedge tail, the E7A. And the thing I like about this, and we talk quite often here about the, the relative sizes between uh, the, you know, the Royal Australian Air Force and, say, the United States Air Force or even the, the Royal Air Force in the UK. You know, we have a very small Air Force, but um, it's been a really exciting time over previous uh, the last few years. Uh, in terms of the platforms they're bringing online here. And this is good now that they can go to war, they can take their own equipment and not have to rely on uh, civilian contractors, for example, for tanking. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a much more integrated package now. So this will be a real test. Um, you know, it's, it's a shame that it has to be under these circumstances, I think. But um, from an operational standpoint, I think this is a good thing for the Royal Australian Air Force to get over there and, and see that the systems uh, will really work, you know, in, in a combat situation. Yeah, and integrate with everyone else. Of course, our tankers don't have the boom cleared to use 
use at the moment, but they can use the uh, probe and drogue systems on the wingtips. So that means that they can uh, refuel U.S. Navy assets as well as our own uh, RAF assets because we're um, primarily using those uh, probe and drogues. But, uh, yeah, it's it, the A330 also has an incredible range and uh, lots of tanking capability. It's been blowing the socks off a lot of people in its ability to uh, fly a long way, refuel a lot of aircraft and then fly a long way again. So uh, not sure if they did the whole cross-Pacific in one hop. Sorry. No, they wouldn't have gone cross-Pacific, would they? They would have just gone straight up into the Middle East. I guess they would. Oh, I'm going cross-Pacific, Greg. That's me and a couple of those. Viva Las Vegas. So uh, we wish all the very best uh, to everybody that's heading over there. Once again, to the Middle East area of operations, the MEO, as they call it here in the Australian defence community, and uh, let's hope that things uh, you know, can be sorted out there quickly and they can get uh, themselves and those wonderful aircraft back nice and safely. Now, Grant, um, let's talk about ballooning. I know you like to talk about ballooning. A good friend of yours uh, has just set a rather impressive record. Yes, a rather wonderful lady named uh, Nicola Scaife. Uh, she uh, just took out the world's women's uh, hot air balloon championship it's the first one ever held for ladies only to fly there was about 38 competitors or so from 16 countries nicola was leading right from the start and uh, she's the first world's woman uh, hot air balloon champion and she's from up in the hunter valley in uh, new south wales not far out of sydney and uh, i got to meet her uh, last year when i was flying up that way at the hunter valley fiesta um, amazing lady not a really tall, large lady. She's quite petite. And uh, to see her flying a large uh, hot air balloon, 450,000 cubic feet, um, 20 passengers, dual fans to inflate it, and there's Nicola going at it and getting it up and flying it and doing really well with it. It was quite amazing. Uh, her husband um, is uh, Matthew Scaife. He's the current Australian champion. So what this means is that uh, Nicola and Matthew will wind up competing against each other in 2016 in Saga in Japan in the next uh, Open World Champion which is open to uh, everyone who's uh, won a champ somewhere in the world. Well, this could be War of the Roses with balloons, Grant. Oh, it could be wonderful. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to be seeing them in uh, the end of October when Kit and I go back up to the Hunter Valley Fiesta once again to go fly up there. Really looking forward to it. And uh, somewhere between now and then, I'm hoping to put a microphone on Nicola and have a chat with her. Grant, I've got a quick question for you. What does balloon competition involve? Ah, that was just where Steve was going. Yep. Okay. Now, <clears throat> right, balloons have no way of steering. The wind is your steering wheel, the wind is your motor. And what you find is at different altitudes, winds can be doing different directions, um, especially if you get some inversion layers, a layer of cold air on the ground, a bit of drainage coming down off hills, all these kind of things. So what happens is that uh, you'll have a variety of tasks allocated. The competition organisers have a look at the weather at the start of the day. They get up before everyone, actually. And they'll, uh, they'll look at the weather and they'll assess based on their interpretation of the winds from what the Met information is, plus putting up a little helium balloon with a light on it and watching that for the bottom 2,000 feet. And they might set a uh, specific launch area and have a couple of judge-declared goals and then allow maybe a pilot-declared goals. There's all sorts of different tasks you can do, including what's called a hesitation waltz, which is where you've got a couple of different options you can go to. Yeah, it's it's quite amazing, all the different tasks. But a classical one might be, um, like one of the ones that I've competed in, has been um, you take off from a designated area, you have to ride the winds to get from there to the first judge-declared goal and drop your marker. There'll be a big cross on um, set out somewhere, either at an intersection of a road or on a field, and you have a little uh, weighted marker with a ribbon on it with your number on it. And uh, you can either 
uh, swing the, uh, the weight around the ribbon to throw it, and that's a, called a throw, or you just have to do a gravity drop, which means you really have to fly right over it. You can't have any lateral movement aside from what is imparted by the balloon. So um, fly on to the judge-declared goal. Then after that, you've got uh, one of three potential options that you've set up initially as your pilot declared goal and you say um, at the time of the drop you tell uh, the judges either by writing it on the uh, sheet or over the radio I'm going for my goal number two I think the winds will get me there and for instance at Mildura I um, I was quite a distance away from the uh, judge declared goal the wind uh, not many of us got very close to that one and then I came quite close to my pilot declared goal I did reasonably well there I was actually down about one or two feet off the uh, top of uh, trees and and of uh, trellises for vineyards and things like that and over the tops of houses I went a little higher of course and uh, managed to get the winds that I needed to get really close dropped my marker it was close enough to get a good score there and then we had a final area that we had to fly onto and land somewhere within a uh, certain designated area on the ground um, they had a cross again, a designated point. The closer you got there, the better the, the uh, mark you got. But so long as you landed in that area, you got more marks and the closer, of course, the better. So that's how they do it. You, you've got these kind of things. You've got tasks allocated to you. I mean, a classic one can be you have to log time flying in a certain direction. And then when a beep goes off, you've got to then change your altitude to get to different winds to try and fly as close to 180 degrees different to where you were. All this kind of stuff. So it's very much riding the winds, reading the winds, and uh, yeah, a lot of microclimate stuff. So that's fascinating. Is there is there any calculations that are done? I mean, do is there a science to it? Do people have uh, you know their tablets out and they're you know calculating things, or or is it all kind of based on uh, ballooning experience and sort of seat of the pants? Uh yes. Bit of both. Um, you've got the crew with their tablets out. Uh, some of the guys down here have written um, some add-ons to some of the the um, mapping tools, so that you can. Uh, it'll help you plot where you need to be. It'll help display things on the screen better. Because, I mean, now with GPS logging, instead of just dropping markers, your GPS tracks you. They can give you a. Um, a a, a tube of air that you have to stay within. So you have to ride the winds, go up and down and around and try and stay within the um, inside a designated like a donut of space. And um, you have to try and the longer that your GPS says that you are within the boundaries of that three dimensional space, the more points you get. So, um, yeah, people are using tablets. They're uh, using the seat of their pants. It's also knowing what the winds, okay, um, in the lee of those bushes, I'm going to get something different from what I'm getting out over here. Or if I go five feet lower, I'm going to get a different wind. And you'll see some serious competitors will have streamers hanging off the bottom of their baskets. And they'll be looking at what things are doing below them. They might run some shaving cream down the streamers and then see what it does when it drops off. And just to get, because just 10 feet of air difference, of altitude difference, can get you quite a bit of directional difference. So it's, it's a real challenge. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds really interesting. All right, I'll be quiet now and let you guys continue on. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's interesting, isn't it? I was going to say, Max, this is what happens when you have a lack of engine in the front. Uh, it's much easier if you just you know press start and take off. And <laughs> yeah, for sure. That works for me. No air conditioning, mate. <laughs> Uh, we just wanted to mention quickly, uh, speaking of uh, you know aircraft of low technology, Grant, um, I see here coming up the Great Tiger Moth Air Race. This has nothing to do with Tiger Airways, I hope. No, 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 no Tiger Air, no Tiger Air. This is uh, the uh, de Havilland Tiger Moth, an absolutely beautiful biplane from uh, World War II era, used to train a lot of people in the British uh, Commonwealth um, and between the wars and then leading into World War II. Uh, it's 
beautiful aircraft and they've got uh, quite a number, I think about 45 of them, which is quite a record for Australia, are going to partake of a uh, race from uh, Luskintyre up north of Sydney, which is known as the home of the tiger moth here in Australia. Uh, they're going to fly down to Camden, which is uh, one of the airports in the Sydney Basin area, and that route will actually take them up Sydney Harbour and over the Sydney Harbour Bridge. And then from Camden, the next day, they're going to fly to another location. Um, I can't remember exactly which one it was. And, uh, yeah, it's all it's all a big... Uh, a big bit of fun to get a whole lot of uh, tiger moths together. They're going to have some, uh, a couple of tiger moths will have some veterans of World War II on board, a Spitfire pilot and a uh, bomber pilot, and uh, yeah, taking them back to when they learnt to fly, as as one of the old boys said. Um, lovely aircraft, but oh, it's a pain to be in them. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we wish I should mention, Grant, that other location for local listeners here in Australia would be from uh, Tyre. It's going down to Canberra and then out to Taree, ah. which is uh, out in rural New South Wales. So uh, quite a long route in a uh, very low and slow aircraft like that. That race is taking place uh, on Saturday, October the 4th for League 1 and League 2 is... Uh, Sunday the 5th. Sunday the 5th. So, uh, yeah, that'd be interesting. If you'd like to find out more about that, and we'll put a link here in the show notes, Grant, tigerrace.com. Uh, really interesting stuff. Now, Grant, I'm not flying Tiger Airways. I'm flying Qantas in two days from now. Probably about the time this podcast gets released, I'll be in an A380 winging my way towards the Ooh. United States. Las Vegas, here we come. Viva Las Vegas. Yeah, and then David's not on tonight. Where is David? David is, uh, well, I forget where David is, <laughs> Well, David's not here, but uh, David's actually going to be joining me. We're going to go to uh, the cover the Red Bull Air Race there in Las Vegas. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we'll be doing the Visha family thing. We're going to be in San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Yosemite, if it hasn't burnt to the ground. And uh, then we're going down to Las Vegas. So um, happy to catch up with any listeners. If you'd like to catch up, um, just drop me a line, contact at plainecrazydownunder.com, and uh, you can buy me lunch. No, no, we'll catch up with you. <laughs> oh, I was about to say, caution caution, America, here comes Steve. But if you're going to say buy lunch, oh, boy, they better lay in some extra food, man. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. This is uh, – well, it's not my first trip to the U.S. I think this is trip number seven or eight for me to the U.S. <laughs> and uh, every time I, I go in, we're gonna, you know, we'll head overseas somewhere. Where should we go somewhere that's different? Um, well, I don't, anyway, we end up coming back to the U.S. <laughs> but uh, I love it over there. Really looking forward to uh, getting over and uh, and being over in the land of uh, imperial measurement and left-hand drive. That should be interesting. And, uh, yeah, getting to the Red Bull Air Race. Uh, I've been to two Red Bull Air Races before, both the ones here in Perth. It's uh, just fantastic. So, stop crying, Grant. Stop crying. I haven't been to one yet. <laughs> and, uh, of course, the Aussie pilot Matt Hall is obviously going to win, so I don't know. You know, all the other pilots may as well not turn up, but uh, if they Indeed. do, it'll be a really fun thing. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure who will be doing the Aussie desk next week, Grant, but we'll find somebody. We'll have a Steve-free Ozdesk again. <laughs> there we go. All right, Max, that's everything for now. Until then, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm the sulking Grant McCarran. There you go. All right. Viva oh, hang on. All right. Vegas. <laughs> Viva. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. It's really great to have you on live. We'll have to do this uh, again. And uh, everybody, I think, knows by now that uh, they can find you guys at plainecrazydownunder.com. And uh, you and David are going to have a blast in Las Vegas, I'm sure. Now, now, now you, you guys are coming to Las Vegas too, right? All, all you guys? Uh, not this year. You didn't tell Mrs. Flight that, Max? Oh. I'm sorry. No, no. Some of us have really cool things to do too. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to getting some uh, comments, some feedback from you and David on, uh, on how that goes. It's, uh, it's, it's got to be a great time.
It should be good. And uh, David's uh, looking forward to catching up with the two American pilots there, Kirby Chambliss and Mike Gooley, and uh, not had the best of seasons, I must say, uh, coming back. So uh, hopefully in front of their home crowd they might, well, at least come second because, you know, we want Matt Hall from Australia yeah. to come first. It's going to be uh, Matt. Yeah. Sure.